Nice. We desperately need a doctor here full time. Will you just give us a couple I'm of months? I'm sorry. Maybe you have it in you to be a saint, Sister Joan, but it's just not my style. Oh, so what are you going to be when you grow up, Doctor? But don't do that, lady. Don't patronize me because you are on some goddamn Don't you snarl at me or I'll smack you upside the head. You are so goddamn self-righteous. You know, I don't even feel good about what we did down there today. Bringing in another little mouth to feed in the cesspool of a country. Feel good? Who the hell cares if you feel good? What makes you so special? You're just another person like the rest of us, doing the best you can to, to take care of yourself and not doing any too bloody look, well as a Don't as talk to me out. like you think you know me, lady. Look, you need help. Don't be a coward. Ask for it. I don't need your help. Have a pleasant journey home, Max. <sighs> Bye and God bless you. Mr. Max. I think you have a good heart. Thank you for allowing me to be of use. Hello, hello, I'm Katie, and welcome to Retromade, your pop culture rewind. We continue with our everyman, Patrick Sweezy. Today, this time, we will travel back to April of 1992 in India with an uplifting and inspirational story, City of Joy. My guest today is another fellow Last of the Action Heroes Podcast Network host, Seiko Hearsing. He hails actually- Hi, Katie. Did I pronounce Hearsing correctly? As always, yes. Okay. I taught you well. Thank you. And you hail from one of my favorite places, the Netherlands. Lucky to have you join us. Sigo, why don't you tell us more about you and your shows? Well, they've been on a hiatus, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. I've had a busy year. I had an interesting year and none of it to do with podcasting or writing or anything creative, which makes me a little antsy. So I was actually very happy when you invited me because it's you know, a good way to get my feet wet again. So yeah, my shows, I host a show about Mel Gibson called Hugging the Cactus. It's carried by the Last of the Action Heroes podcast network. I'm very happy to be there, still be there. I also host a show about Arnold, which is called The Arnold Podcast. I do that with Doug. Doug had a baby this year, so again another hiatus so we decided to take a little pause and and regroup for next year so that's yeah and i was lucky enough to join you on your mel show and we did bird on a wire with goldie who's kurt's lady he's our other everyman on retro may yes the beautiful and talented goldie hon Mm -hmm. and then we've done some just kind of crossover like they're not part of a show just under the umbrella just some fun 80s movies as well with uh well, we, we got to do romancing the stone which is uh, still one of my favorite shows and it's still getting listeners it's immensely successful then again we were great on it so you know, it's, it's kind of inevitable well it is and then such of course a we did the sequel one. yeah jewel of the and Nile. then we did the sequel yeah. which was also really fun to do 
And well, you were on a bunch of Mel Gibson podcast episodes. So anybody who cares to listen to those, those are the best episodes. So yeah, I I recommend (laughs) listening to those. Check them out, guys. All right. Well, we have to set the stage. So let's open the time capsule from April of Mm -hmm. 1992. Mm -hmm. According to Nielsen ratings for the 91 to 92 season, the Mm -hmm. top rated shows for prime time, Roseanne, Murphy, Murphy Brown. Okay. Cheers, of course. Of course. Home Improvement, Designing Women, Full House, Murder, She Wrote, Major Dad, Coach. So now we're in the early 90s. It's a little different than some of our I watched all those shows. Yeah. Yeah. Fanatically. Oh, my God. So good. The 80s and 90s were just the best for TV. I think 92 was probably uh, Pamela Anderson was was out of it by then, I think. Yeah. She was already in Baywatch. That's right, because she was on maybe the first one or two Yeah, probably first one or two. I think that was her first real gig. Okay. Yeah. I kind of forgot she was on that, but yeah, you're right. Now- I didn't. (laughs) Of course not. I was was like pre-Pamela Anderson way before people were into Pamela Anderson. I knew who she was. I was like, she's got to be big. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, lo and behold, she blew up. And, you know, rightfully so. Yeah. No, she's great. I love her because she's a fellow vegan. So I like that about her. Really? Yeah. Yeah. She's a vegan? Yep. Oh, well. She sure is, Nico. Well, she, she likes other kinds of meat. <laughs> Indeed. <so. laughs> um, now, one of the... This is in the top 10, this show. I had never heard of it, so I'm curious if you have. It's called mm-hmm. Room for Two. Have you heard of this, Seiko? Never seen it. Yeah, it was... It does not ring a bell. Okay, so... I've heard of Major Dad. I remember yeah. watching that show, which was dreadful. Yeah, I didn't... I, yeah, same. But Room for Two must have only been on for maybe a season, and somehow it eked in the top 10 for that season. But it was a sitcom starring Patricia Heaton and Linda Lavin. Or I have no clue who those people are. Well, Patricia Heaton was the wife in Everybody Loves Raymond, the mom, the wife, Deb. Oh, That's oh. Patricia Heaton. Oh, sure. Sure. And Linda Lavin, she was famous for, oh, what show? Alice? She was in Alice. no idea. Yeah. That also did not make it across the pond. Okay. Yeah, this will be interesting. But yeah, so anyway, it was on CBS. That was the show. They Those two, Linda Lavin played Patricia Heaton's mom. Anybody seen this show? Okay. Well, those were the top shows, but Mm -hmm. I will say... This is the Golden Girls final season. So that's a notable finale for 92, the Golden Girls. In addition to Growing Pains, Who's the Boss, The Cosby Show. The shows were still around, weren't they? Yeah. That was their final year in 92. Blast on them by then. Yeah. Yeah, A lot of times that happens. And so it's time to end. Jake and the Fat Man. Did you ever see that? Sure. It was its final year. MacGyver. Were you a MacGyver yeah. fan? In the 80s when I was yeah. a kid, sure. Yeah, 92 is its final year. Well, I was 19 in 1992, so. Oh, that's right. This is going to be really yeah. interesting, the the pop yeah. culture stuff. I, I lived through those years. Yeah. No, this is like prime time then for you. Definitely. Although I was mostly off TV by then because I was living on my own. I didn't own a TV. Oh, you didn't. Oh, you're so no. European. <laughs> I was de- no, I was destitute. I was I was a poor student, so I didn't have a TV yet. I got one at some point, but you know. Yeah, TV is crucial for me. I'm yeah, I'm that person. I need a TV. 
Um, no, all I did was study and work out. Well, those days. that's probably better than rotting your brain with TV. There's another finale. Sure, yeah. I remember watching this as a kid. I had kind of forgotten about it. Have you huh? ever seen The Young Writers? Bunch of adorable, well, hot, like young men. It's cowboy no. days. It was about the times of the Pony Express. So this doesn't ring okay. to you. Yeah, vaguely, vaguely. Maybe I shot a pilot. I, it must not have lasted very long, but I do recall yeah. liking it partially because of the good looking men in it. So listeners. Did you watch The Young Writers? This is also its final year. Additional shows that were not in the top 10, but mm. this was their premiere year. We have The Golden Palace, which was the spinoff to, of The Golden Girls. Did you ever see that? No, it, never. It was not. I actually, this Who year. Who was the lead? Well, it was all the girls except for Dorothy, and they run a hotel, and- uh, Oh, what's that? Oh, I'm I'm blanking on his name. Don Cheadle. I knew it would come to me. Don Cheadle. Oh, Don. Like, yeah. Oh, right. Right. Like, he like runs a hotel or he's like the manager of the hotel that they buy. Anyway. Wow. Hanging with wow. Mr. Cooper. The Heights. Mm -hmm. This and it only lasted for a single season, but I remember The Heights. It was like a musical drama and they had a CD too. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I think they sang like How probably never heard it, but it was during the day that everybody was bringing out music. Yeah, for some reason. So the and it was like the early CD age. So, yes, yeah. definitely. CD was. was the new thing. Now remember, no, I'm like in grade school, but I do remember like more like um, eh. oh, boys to men, like that kind of. That was more. The oh like, sure, they were around. Yeah. It was the basically just the 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 height of the hip hop era. Mm -hmm. It was it was everywhere. Yeah. Yes. And I tuned that out completely. <laughs> I'm a big hip-hop, so yeah. yeah. No, it, it was the pop hip-hop, and it was just brutal. And, and basically, gang rap hip-hop with Tupac and Biggie and, and all those guys, they were still a couple of years, you mm -hmm. know, down the road. So it was still, you know, crisscross and stuff like that. Oh, and you just wait. Just... You just wait. I mean, I'm like literally like 10 yeah. at this time. So crisscross was Yeah, what that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense because it appeals to kids. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Did you ever watch Mad About You? It premiered in 92. Of course I did. Yeah. That was with, uh, what's her name? Helen Hunt. And uh, Paul Reiser. Yeah. And Paul Reiser. Sure. No, yeah. I love that show. That was great. And the dog walker, what was his name? Then he also played Phoebe's boyfriend in Friends. Across the 12 seasons. Yes. I loved Phoebe. I mean, she ended up with Ant-Man, right? Is that cool? Paul, what's his name? I'm like on the struggle bus this morning. His name was Mike mm -hmm. in the show. Everyone knows who he is. I say his name was Paul, too. That's not right. Anyway, Melrose Place. Did you watch Melrose Place? I feel like this was huge. Didn't everybody watch Melrose? The Paul Rudd, you mean? Paul Rudd. I knew it was Paul. Yes, Paul Rudd. Yeah, I had Thank to you. look it up, though. Yeah. No, Melrose Place was uh, basically before that, the 80s was really Beverly Hills 90210. And then finally, Melrose Place came out, which was a lot more adult and less about virgins and about high school problems and childish stuff. It was, Melrose Place was about something. Well, it kind of felt like a little like the hip dynasty. It was literally the way that I view it. Because 90210, I think, only came out like the year before. I think that came out in 1990. Mm. And it was, yeah, it was high school. Yeah. Is, I wonder if Melrose Place is also Aaron Spelling. I see it as just like the early Same. 20s. It was basically, it was meant, I version. think it was meant as a spinoff, but it kind of came yeah. off as... 
as its own thing. And especially, I think, wasn't Heather Locklear in it at some point? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I've always been, my entire life, I've been like, you know, madly in love with Heather Locklear. So I loved that show just because she was in it. Yeah, that's one a lot of guys really I started watching Sin City because she was yeah. in it. Yeah, I don't really see it. I, I Like, of all the women, she's not the most attractive. Because there's a lot of beautiful ladies in Hollywood, and she's Yeah, she's but nice they're not looking. having locklier, though. <laughs> she was kind of a throwback to the 70s with the great hair and the attitude. And she's, she's the kind of woman you would kind of, like, meet in the hallway mm-hmm. secretly smoking. You know what I okay, mean? Okay, okay. All right, I'll go with it. That you could just hang out with and party with. Yes, I can see that. I can see that. I Pam stand Anderson. by Heather. I can see Pam Anderson for sure, but oh yeah, she parties. That's for but sure. But not, but not Heather. But I don't she's the wrong kind of girl. I mean, that, that's the kind of girl you would like profess your undying love to, but she would still go off with the guy with the Metallica tickets and the coat. You know. <laughs> well, they're both into the rockers, the rock dudes. Inevitable. Now, you at nineteen were not watching Saturday morning cartoons, but for those of you who were watching cartoons in nineteen ninety two. Can I think a lot of these are just like one or two seasons, but Fievel's American Tale was like such a huge movie. So, of course, there was a cartoon, The Little Mouse. Mm-hmm. So that that was a big cartoon. Same with Little Mermaid. Huge movie. Sure. They made a cartoon. Sure. And then. Yeah. I was watching Beavis and Butthead by then. Yeah, me too. Well, me too. But Big time. Yes. And that was not a Saturday morning cartoon. <laughs> it was not. I was watching Simpson, mm-hmm. which was really smart and bright and interesting and edgy and. Mm-hmm. Uh, way over people's heads, but I thought it was amazing. Well, those are, yeah, so those are not made for children, whereas the Saturday no. morning stuff was. Gar- Garfield and Friends is like a uh, staple. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Addams Family. Again, that mm. movie, a lot of these are movies that were really big. Yeah. They made a cartoon. Tasmania. I literally remember people having tattoos of Looney Tunes people. People getting Taz tattooed on themselves. That Idiot. was to each their own, but I feel like there was a whole time period where people were getting like these cartoon characters tattooed on themselves. Darkwing Duck yeah. was also a big one. And then these two were kind of the preteen version of our 90210 and Melrose Place, Saved by the Bell. And sure. Doesn't everybody love Saved by yeah, the Bell? Yeah. Rest in peace, Screech. Yeah. And then California Dreams was sort of the carbon copy of Saved by the Bell. Not as good. Never never heard of it. It's literally the same show, but with not as good people, in my opinion. Okay, so it's a different network who does the same that does the same thing then. Yeah, I don't even know if it was a different network because it was it followed Saved by the it was like Saved by the Bell was on at oh. ten and then at ten thirty right. California Dreams was on. But it only lasted one season, rightfully so. Yeah, it was hot garbage, whereas Saved by the Bell was great. <laughs> I mean, it really was great. People it was. Like, make, I mean, yeah. Tiffany Amber Thiessen, she was so hot. Well, I actually think the t- Jesse, what's her name, is the prettiest. What is her okay. name? Yeah. Jesse Spano is the character's name. Elizabeth Berkeley. Took me a minute. Oh, yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, yeah, I remember her more from the Paul Falcon movie. Yeah, I never saw that. Uh, you didn't? Oh, what? You should watch all of Paul's Hopeless movies. That just reminds me of the episode where she gets addicted to like speed pills to stay up and study and do all the things. And, and then she cries oh, sure. with Zach. And I just, or how does she say? I'm so scared. Yeah, and those were good looking guys. And they did well on that show. It was great. It was, there was, there was really no downside. It was funny 
and there were talented people on it, and the, it was the writing was good. Yeah, they almost all went on to have pretty pretty big careers, yep. with a few exceptions. Yep. <laughs> well, so you're 19 at this time, so you'll probably <laughs> maybe the top 10 billboards will resonate with you. We shall see. Oh, sure. Okay. Oh, definitely. This is the week of April 17th, 1992. Yeah. Number one song, Save the Best for Last by Vanessa Williams. That's probably oh, not was, Oh, my God. I remember that song. It was amazing. And uh, Vanessa was amazing with those beautiful eyes. She's and beautiful. Great, and a yeah. great voice. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, that heart-wrenching song. I love that. I love that song. I'm kind of surprised that you like it. But How can I not yeah. like it? Yeah. No, but I like female vocalists anyway. Okay. And because they have more range. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, and I don't know, this was a great song. It is good. And this was way before she became an actress. That's right. Yeah. This was, she was just a good singer and mm -hmm. she was like the new thing. Classy and beautiful and talented. And it was the 90s. It was. I love the number two song and I kind of don't remember it being from 92. Tears mm. in Heaven by Eric Clapton. What oh. a song. Oh. God, that makes me cry. I know. It's Yeah, because, you know, it's about his kid. And you can basically hear the pain in the song, and which makes sense because he's a blues artist, but it's more than being a blues artist. He's basically he's singing that song for therapy. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it just hit home, and it, it, it hit everybody, and because everybody loved Clapton. Yeah, same guy who and wrote... And it's the last thing you want to see happen to a guy like that yeah I mean, such a great artist and such a great guitar player really tragic this, horrible this was actually my introduction to eric clapton i only later learned of all of his prior work and so it was sort of eh. surprising to me tears my mother loved him yeah we had records when i was a kid because he was big in the late 60s with mm -hmm. cream and yep. and he was big in the 70s with his with his stuff then and and because she played cocaine a lot and and layla oh god layla's good yeah, that's Cream, though. Yeah. We owned all his records, so I, I grew up with him. Or Derek and the Dominoes, because he was in a lot of groups. Sure. He was in a lot yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so to your point about Criss Cross, they have the number three song with Jump. Yeah. Jump, jump. Well, it was huge. It was Mac, huge. That'll make you. <laughs> oh, it was huge. It was. And the kids were cute. And, and it, it, I, I get it, you know, but it, it just, the whole thing with the pants turned around and the jumping, and mm -hmm. the, it was just stupid. It was just so, so Stupid. Well, it was very early it. 90s. It was very early 90s. Yeah, and I, I get it. And it was great at, at shows. And it was, and, you know, you'd always hear it at parties. And I was sort of like moving off to hard rock sure. and a little and into techno. I was really into techno back then because that's when techno really hit mm -hmm. in, in, in Holland. And it was, you know, we had a Hellraiser festivals, which were huge. And it was but basically it was like the big stadium with a hundred thousand people and it were all hardcore techno and it was just it would last two, three days and it was it was a different time. It it sounds like a different time. I actually don't I don't love techno, but I do like the um early nineties. It's still around. I know, and I it, it's like it's EDM still around. now. And it, like they've changed. The festivals yeah. now are bigger than they were and yeah. they're like really diversified and so you have these small 
DJ oriented parties where only 2000 people show up and everybody's doing speed and, and going nuts. And yeah, no, it's, I, I have a lot of friends who are really into that and who do it all summer and do it every weekend. Okay. I've outgrown it, but I don't mind. Okay. This is also an interesting, there's a lot of stuff from movies. Okay. The number mm -hmm. four song, believe it or not, is Queen's mm -hmm. Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody because of, sure. um, because that was originally in the 70s. Because of Freddie. Because of Freddie. Well, it was the, it was from Wayne's World. It was in oh, Wayne's right. World and Wayne's right. World. It was in Wayne's out. World and it became huge. But mm -hmm. then again, we had a huge Freddie revival back in the early 90s because Freddie died. They toured with George Michael and they would, every once in a while, they would bring out stuff that Freddie had been working on, but mm. never finished. Mm -hmm. And Freddie was beloved, really oh, beloved. Yeah. yeah. And so he was, you know, anything they put out, just, you know, turned to gold. We all missed him. And it was, it was just brutal. Yeah, like but it was, I just, I, it's crazy that a song originally from the 70s ended up back almost 20 years yeah, later. Yeah, no, not at all. Because we have a music top 100 or a top 1000, if you want to call it that. And Bohemian Rhapsody wins every year, every year for decades. It does. Every year. But back then, like, again, I think that got a, like, people like It me, got a, maybe a boost in the States, but yeah. it never really... You know, it never really went away. Okay. It never went away. I feel like a lot of people, and somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but people like my generation, we didn't know who Queen was until Wayne's World. And then we're like, who's Could this? Be. It, it reintroduced yeah. them to a new mm -hmm. generation. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. such, it's just the most unique song. It's, mm -hmm. there's nothing like it. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's pure Freddy. I mean, it's basically... A fusion song of opera and and it's, it's high art it is high art that's a really yeah. good way of putting it the number five song i've not heard of curious if you have it's called masterpiece by atlantic star have you heard of Means this nothing to me okay never well, made it to our, to our part of the pond don't know yeah well i've not heard of it either make it happen by mariah carey is number six so this oh is, sure mariah sure. was becoming really big in the early 90s right yeah she was still with tony at that point Oh, yeah. Yeah. She was still married to Tommy Motola, I think his name was, the director of Sony. And she was still basically goody two-shoes Mariah. <laughs> yeah, she certainly was. She was like, yeah, good girl next door. Yeah, it was a shame because I had different, a different vision of who Mariah Carey was and mm -hmm. what she would be capable of. And we all had higher expectations, to be honest. And she never really, in my mind, she never really came out of that. I mean, it's just, he's basically uh, a Christmas song now. She's, yeah, she's kind of known for that. There was that album that she had in the, like, early to mid-2000s that really brought her back to the forefront. It was a really yeah, good album. With a lot of rap artists on it. And yeah. I think it had Butterfly on it. And yeah, yeah, Some yeah. other stuff. Yeah. Sure. The, yeah, the... Yeah, that was Slut Mariah. But it was really good. It, well, because she's more grown up and... Um, and I'm not saying, saying this to slut shame right. or anything, but she was really handing up the Look, I have curves and I have a big booty. I mean, there was basically all, a lot of female vocalists were doing that at mm -hmm. that point. Yeah, at that time. I'm not fond of that age, to be honest. No. It's still no. very much a thing, like the Kardashian-y yeah, look. Is that what you mean? Yeah, it's gross. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's just gross. 
Well, it's unnatural. And degrading. It's unnatural. Hey. I call it. Ma- I call it manufacture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm. It's not beauty. And that's the irony. Mariah had beauty. She was beautiful, and and, and she destroyed herself, in my opinion. With all and her, her voice face too. work, because she she was really pretty. I yeah. mean, she still is a beautiful woman, and um, no, but she could, in my opinion, she could have aged gracefully. Yeah, but she didn't. Uh, I loved TLC. Big, 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 big fan. And they had the number seven song with Ain't Too Proud to Beg. And I think this was their first album. Um, sure. It was before Crazy Sexy Cool. Because I think that was like in 96. So this was 92. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because they were big, uh, really part of Swing Beat. Okay. Yeah. Boy, TLC. Yeah. When they had, it was like Waterfall came after this. But yeah. Yeah, no, that I, was on Crazy I, Sexy Cool. Yeah. Sure. It really peaked at the, in the late 90s. Yeah, then they had fan they had mail. And other stuff. Fan mail, yeah. Was that late nineties or early two thousands? With yeah, that was no late nineties. Okay. Definitely late nineties. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't remember when when Left Eye passed. Probably now, that was in the year two thousand because they okay. basically they they were supposed to tour after they their album went triple. I think it went like triple platinum. It was tremendous. Mm-hmm. I, I I still have that somewhere. I love that album, mm-hmm. and they were supposed to tour, and I was really excited about it. And then the tour fell apart because they're lunatics, and they couldn't get along, and they had bad management, and mm-hmm. and basically, well, you know, they were crazy, really, and especially that one because she would have boyfriends who would cheat on her, and they would she would like light their cars on fire yeah. or or try to burn their house down. Yeah. She was insane. I mean, this is the one who wore the rubbers. <laughs> Don't scorn her. Yeah, she'll she'll fight back. She was in, I think, somewhere in in, in Latin America, and she fell afoul of some voodoo guy, and he cursed her, and that's how she got into accidents. And it was it was just weird. It well, was just insane. Didn't she die in a plane crash? I feel like there was a period of time where like all these like R and B and hip hop artists were dying in plane crashes. Yeah, the plane crash era. Yeah, yeah kind of yeah. crazy. En Vogue yeah. was enormous in the early 90s. And oh, didn't we all love En Vogue? Yes. Aren't they amazing? And um, it's, I mean, that, that was so acrimonious. There's, at some point, there were two En Vogues because they couldn't get along. Uh, all the different members, do you mean? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, they hated each other. So their song, My Lovin', You're Never Gonna Get It, was the number eight yep. song. And that's probably the song they're most known for. Right. Right. I was I was going to mention Creedence, Creedence Clearwater Revival, oh. which was like the biggest band coming out of the 60s. They beat everybody. At some point, they were bigger than the Beatles. They beaten the doors. They were huge and they were poised for greatness. And then the whole thing fell apart. They'd been together for 15 years. They had a different, they were a band under a different name originally. Mm. And then they became Creedence, they were really relabeled as Creedence Clearwater Revival. And they came out with all these well-rehearsed, really well-written songs that sounded fantastic. And then it just fell apart and they hated each other. And those were best friends and brothers and stuff like that. And it's just, that's what that horrible music industry does to you. It does seem I mean, like that's a common it's, thing It happens to too many artists yeah, yeah. for it not to be on purpose and for it not to be a toxic environment. It's like the tight-knit people who are creative geniuses who, who come together and are 
highly motivated to make something of themselves and make something of their careers and work hard and play hard. And then they get to a certain level of success. And I suspect they run into a certain kind of people, mm -hmm. the kind of people we're going to be talking about with this movie we're about to talk yeah. about. And then everything just crumbles. And these people are just, you know, they just, they're just destroyed. Mm -hmm. They just get that success crushes them. Well, they're too young to deal with it. Um, the fall is hard. Yeah. <laughs> well, to round out the rest of the top 10, mm -hmm. Beauty and the Beast, again, from a movie. This was Celine Dion and Peebo Bryson. That was the oh, sure. song. Yeah, I remember that. It was a cartoon, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Yeah, Disney. Yeah. And yeah. then the number 10 song is another one I have not heard of. So have you heard of Breaking My Heart, Pretty Brown Eyes by Mint Condition? Vaguely. It yeah. wasn't big here, but okay. yeah, I know the song. Me too. We have mm. some news and events before we get into the movie. There's actually a lot uh, that happened in, in 92. We have mm -hmm. uh, Mafia boss John Gotti found guilty of five murders, plus conspiracy okay. to murder, loan sharking. I am, I'm just going to interject this here because you allowed me to interject stuff. Yes. 1992. You want to hear the top 40 or now our neck of the woods? Sure. Well, not all 40, but maybe the... <laughs> Okay, Couple. how about George Michael and Elton John, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me? Okay, okay. It was the live version. And we had Right Set Fred. Oh, well, that Don't came talk, to just us kid. as well. Oh, no. We... Yeah, it was huge. I'm and there sexy. was Genesis. Genesis was gigantic. We had okay. I Can't Dance. What was else? What else? That's Dutch stuff, more Dutch stuff. Under the Bridge, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Well, that's the it whole huge. year of 92, right? This was the particular week. But yeah, I, those are all really good. Oh, okay. That was the particular week. Well, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Well, like, you know, because well, they change. I'll have to find some other movie with when that's the top 10. Yes. But yeah. no, Wright said Fred is a good one. That was big here. I'm too I'm sexy. I'm too sexy for my show. <laughs> so sexy it hurt. So weird. It's such a dumb song, but we loved it. Great guys, though. They still yeah. play. Do they? Yeah. They still play. So did you know that, the, that John Gotti was found guilty in a April? 92. John Gotti. It was a mafia, um, um, mafia guy. Yeah. Well, five murders. I always found like the Italian mafia thing so peculiar. I have a strange. They were so out, out in public and it was so obvious. And, and there were, I mean, there were movies about the Italian mafia from the, uh, even in the 50s and, mm -hmm. and into the 70s. And for some reason, these mafia family, like the, Gambinos and, and people like that. They, they just existed. I, 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 only in America, that's all I can say. I, myself included, we have a strange fascination with it. I mean, I, that introduced me, like Robert De Niro. He's got a lot of like mob movies and I love them. Uh, our mob yeah. is, uh, they're Moroccans. Okay. So we have a TV show called Moco Mafia. Okay. Like yeah. a, a reality show or a No, a no, no. It's just a, a, a scripted TV show. And it's basically, you know, about the mafia, but okay. run by Moroccans because yeah. they run the, they run basically drugs, drugs and prostitution. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's most, I'm fascinated by all, but for some reason, the Italian. Yeah. We've seen all those movies. Yeah. The Italians, for whatever reason, seem to really capture our interest, but you know, he goes to jail. So that happened in, in April. Then also WrestleMania 8 in yeah. the Hoosier Dome in Indianapolis. Hulk sure. Hogan defeats... Watch that live. Did you? I, I obviously did. didn't, but Hulk Hogan defeats Sid Justice and by yeah. a disqualification, apparently. It was, it was garbage. It basically, 
Hogan had been champion all year and Undertaker had defeated him. And so he wasn't champion at that point. And Sid Justice was like his latest best friend and his best friends were always betraying him for some reason. It was like yeah, the yeah, big yeah. storyline. Yeah. Doesn't matter who, it, yeah. whenever he has a best friend at some point, he, he has a program with them. So he was supposed to go into a program with Sid Vicious. And that was really basically when the steroid trial started mm. because Vince McMahon, the owner of the WWF, had started a bodybuilding federation competing with the drug-infused IFBB run by the Whiters. And so they ratted him out to the, to the Fed, basically saying, well, you know, he has this federation and, and just mm. like he does with his wrestlers, he gets, a, he, he gets all his bodybuilders steroids for free, which mm -hmm. was bullshit, of course. But, you know, the FBI started investigating McMahon. And so he had to clean up the WWF. He basically had to start drug testing. And so at drug testing, Hulk Hogan didn't really do much for his shape because Hogan dropped about 40, 50 pounds. And he basically looked like his skinny cousin at WrestleMania mm. 8. And it was just ridiculous. Interesting. So Yeah, 92, he yeah. was probably kind of... Because 92, the, the best match really was Randy Savage. He the Randy Savage Flair match. Yeah. And yeah, that was, that was really the good match. Yeah. yeah basically... Randy Savage played up a knee injury in the match. And Randy was probably the greatest worker in the company at that point. And he could really sell a knee injury. It just He would make it look legit. So it, it really it really resonated. It was a great match. And the, really the stake was that Ric Flair was su uh, suggested he'd had a, an affair with Elizabeth. Of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, so there I was a lot of <laughs> section. And, and Ric Flair, of course, is just this. Nature uh, boy. Um, yeah, Hugh Hefner kind of guy. Yeah. That's basically uh, his, his persona. He likes women in real life too. And so they, they really built up the lust he had for sure. Elizabeth. And of course, Elizabeth was really the grand belle of the WWF. She was the perfect woman. So it, it's this, this nasty person like Ric Flair is after her. And, you know, obviously... Randy has to defend her honor. I mean, that, that was really the sensibility of the WWF back then. It was mm. still really classy. And so that match was fantastic. The Hulk Hogan match was, I mean, it wasn't the main event. No, because the Randy. It was just there to reintroduce yeah. Ultimate Warrior. Well, and Hogan. Is he a came draw. in for the save. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. And, Hulk, and, and Warrior was also tested. So he looked like his skinny little cousin. Same with Hogan. They, they both looked skinny. There was something off there. Because, of course, they came out of the roided-up 80s, and they were both really gigantic men. Mm -hmm. And then they were drug-tested, and it was a different story. Can't do that naturally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nope. So that's fun that you watched that. Yeah, that's fun. Because we didn't really... That was a big yeah. wrestling mark. Yeah. But this was really the part where I really wasn't that into WWF anymore. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of moving away from American wrestling and getting more into tape trading for the Japanese. Oh. Yeah, I was watching a lot of old Japan, new Japan. I was watching Canadian wrestling, Stampede, old tapes. And I was watching a lot of Mexican wrestling. I got into Lucha for a while. Did you? That's one of the reasons I wanted to go to Mexico so bad. Yeah, Lucha I wanted Libre? to see Lucha match. Yeah. Sure. Fun. Yeah. That reminds me, did you ever watch Ray Donovan, the TV show Ray Donovan? Sure. Yeah. Your favorite show. Yeah, I know. Well, it's not my favorite show, but I, I really know all like about it. your favorite yeah. show. <laughs> it's your favorite show. It's not my favorite, but it's it's up there, probably mm -hmm. in the top 20. So the NHL, are you a hockey fan at all? Sure, sort of. 
I'm not Canadian, so I'm not a hardcore hockey fan, but I, it's okay. It's gotten to be pretty big here. Our team in Denver is pretty good. So yeah, but you're can... kind of like, you're so close to Canada, you're almost Canadian. Well, there's a few states in between, but yeah. <laughs> so there was a strike, apparently. Does anybody remember an NHL strike for 10 days in no. April of 92? Um, Did not register. Crystal... I, hope they, I hope they got more money. Probably it ended, so they must have negotiated something. Yeah. Do you remember Crystal Pepsi at all? Sure. Yeah, vaguely. Yeah. It was. Well, didn't drink it. But. It was a flash in the pan, I think, but I sort of remember it. And they, in April of '92, they did some test marketing in certain markets. Denver was actually one of them, but I didn't live here then. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah, I, th I never really drank the brown sugar water. It never interested in me. Oh well, that's really. It's good. for fat people. It's for fat people. I was addicted for a very, only recently did I stop drinking Diet Coke. Wow. I, I never, I don't like regular soda. It's way too sugary. But, you know, the chemical, the chemicals and all the, like, I was addicted to the diet. The version. only healthy part of the, of the whole thing is the water in it. And the rest yeah. is just <laughs> yeah. garbage. Oh, it's so good. I don't drink it at all. If I go on a road trip or something and stop at a gas, a fountain, I'll still get a fountain soda. How American of you. Yes, I know. Yes. yes. Do you drink it by the gallon with one of those huge cups they all have? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the rest of the world really shakes its head when you people do that. I know. It's just insane. I know. Yeah. But for, and why in the car? Well, for a road trip. I don't normally. But if I'm like, you know, snacking on something, so, I have a diet soda. But if you drink a gallon, don't you have to relieve yourself of yeah. a gallon at some point? How do you do that? Go by the town of the road or something? No, you or, stop or at a, do you do it in the car? The next town. You just, you got to stop at the next town. and Oh, you, you stop at McDonald's, relieve yourself, get more junk food, get back in the car. Yeah. That's, that's very right. American. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Your obesity problems are not a surprise to the rest of the world. No, listen. You, Not at all. I am full in full agreement. We, we. I'm I, just happy you're in shape, really. Yeah, that I, I, yeah, listener, she's not obese. But at yes, all. we do. She's it in is excellent very shape. Yeah. I work with a Ukrainian guy and he lives in Canada now and he's just, he's like, North America is a strange place. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, so speaking of different countries mm -hmm. and you being from the Netherlands. Yeah. Do you remember the magnitude 5.5 earthquake that happened? Sure. Oh, yeah. It broke my mirror. Really? There was also a 6.1 magnitude earthquake mm -hmm. in San Bernardino, California, near Joshua Tree. So two big earthquakes. I don't know. Is that a fault line thing? Yeah. 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 Because in, in the 70s and 80s, the fault line was really a big thing. Mm -hmm. Everybody thought that California at some point would, you know, just end. Break off into the ocean. Yeah, it hasn't yet. We need Hollywood to have podcasts about movies, Seiko. Hello. Oh, there are plenty of movies around the world. We can just have podcasts about all the movies made in Britain or in France or in Italy or, or Spain. Spain has a great movie industry. I'm sure they do. But remember, America Hey, we, we could do largest our, audience. We could do a Pedro Almodovar podcast and you would be much happier because the men in it are way, way, way I'm more sure happy. they are. I'm just saying, obviously, for Americans to listen, you know, we're very ethnocentric here, Sigo. Have you not figured this out yet? We only know American Yes, well, stuff. you know. Yes, well, maybe you should stop using foreign actors then and use American ones, but you can't because they're all fat. <laughs> well, not all of them. Hey, Patrick Swayze, our man, he's from Texas. Yeah. Yeah. So but he would, they, he's, he's not... A, he, Different guy, isn't he? He's 
He was a dancer. He was in shape. Yeah. He was, you know, that's a different story. Yes. Uh, also, I so remember this. In This is April 92. The, mm-hmm. A jury acquits the L.A. police department officers on charges of excessive force in the beating of Rodney King. Oh, yeah. Didn't that start to riot? Yeah. And that decision sparked right. massive riots in the city. I very much remember that being on the news a lot. And I was yes, only and, like 10 or 11. And that's important because that really that's the first time something like that. It went viral. Somebody taped it and it went viral. And that's the fact that it went viral caused the riots. I'm sure people have talked about it like ad nauseum. But I, when I was doing this research, I was like, oh, my God, yeah, the Rodney <laughs> King was yeah. such a big deal. And it just yeah. it shone a light because it was on tape. So yeah, but it, it basically it, it brought up all the problems in in American society. There's a lot of movies that shine a light on the problems that we have. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. It, and, and they started coming out really in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. That was kind of when when you start getting good stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, because and the it, 80s was just fun, right? Everything was just big and fun and it was fantastical. All on coke. You know, Everybody you know. was on coke. And then the 90s were like, oh, there's some real problems. Let's be, yeah. And then yeah. the grunge I mean, we era. talk about it on last of the action movies and we love it. But basically what we're watching is just people who went on a coke binge and wrote a script. Because when you think about that's Rambo, really. When you think fun, about though. it, that's like when you're on coke and you think about, hey, what if I was this super soldier? And what if I was like let loose? And what would happen? That's that's a coke binge, really. It's, you know, you're yeah. The the big over the top nature of stuff was so yeah. very 80s. which was it's just really fun. Yeah, but very fun in the '90s. Reality hit, and and that's you know kind of like this movie. That's really that's reality, though. Yeah, no, it's very true. There was a big shift now. Talking mm-hmm. about kind of a bummer. So there were a few deaths of note in April of 92. Um, do you remember okay. Sam Kinison, the American screaming comedian and actor? Long oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. Now, I remember him. Yeah, he was great. And it was, it was saddening. He died in a car crash. He was only 38. Yeah. Did you know yeah. that? He was only 38. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. And he was so good. And apparently he had also just earlier that month gotten married in vegas so he got married and then died like right away so that what stripper did what stripper did he marry um i don't i i but i, I don't, don't see the guy marrying the girl next door and that no. was some some i mean i'm not sure i knew i know who we partied with so <laughs> no <laughs> and then also the benny hill the british comedian from sure. the benny hill show he died about i grew time. up with benny hill yeah 68 he died 68. yeah then, still no, it's still not sex scandals about Benny Hill, even though you, even in its shows he would be, you know, rapey. Oh, really? I never watched the Benny Hill show. He never think. watched Benny Hill show. No, I think it, it was before ended my up time. With him making, he was like one of those breaking the fourth wall kind of guys who would like you like the shifty look into the camera, and then he would just chase the girl. It, it was Very a little sick. rapey. Well, and, a lot of things and were back in the day. <laughs> we always expected him to be like indicted for, mm-hmm. you know. Like a lot of other people were, but mm-hmm. he never Not was. Maybe, know. maybe he was just, maybe just hamming it up and was, you know, had a nice wife. And there are a few people that it would shock me. Like they seem very like nice, good. There are some good people in the world, like Patrick Swayze, for example. He is just like a good human. I wouldn't, I, he never had a big Great skin. guy. Yeah. Great yeah. guy. Nothing wrong with him. Yeah. So some weddings. He's kind of the Keanu Reeves before Keanu Reeves in, in many respects. Good actor. Cares mm-hmm. about other people. Yeah. 
basically a kind of an all-American kind of jock, but sensitive, creative. You know, it's just something different yeah. about him. There's a few things, so some weddings, divorces, and then other big movies. David Bowie got mm -hmm. married to Iman, April 92. Yes. yes, the great Iman. She was so beautiful back yeah. in the 80s. He was, was on every magazine cover. She was everywhere. And it was really, it was like, they were perfect together. I mean, that's what, who you would expect Iman to marry, David Bowie. In many ways, the perfect man. I mean, he was handsome. He was talented. He was a great writer. He was successful. He was a great artist. He was a, a creative force. A tremendous human being. So, Actually, you know, if, if anyone's going to get Iman, it's going to be David Bowie, because who else? I, I also I mean, appreciate he was 45 and she was 37. So they're like a, appropriately aged. It wasn't like she was 19, you know, like a lot of dudes. She wasn't his muse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His 16-year-old muse right. or something like that. No. Um, And they, the, it was a civil ceremony in Switzerland. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, that's where they got married. That yeah, uh, makes sense because they both British and he has, you know, taste. I don't Iman is, is African and yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it would make sense they would marry somewhere else than, you know, the United States. Of course. Where you would just get married in a garden somewhere or on a beach somewhere. And Ice Cube, he marries his wife. And he was only 22. So rapper and yeah. record producer Ice Cube got married. Yeah. Also, and another decent guy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny because he's like the family movie guy now. Um, sure. And it makes was... perfect sense because he's a decent guy. Yeah, he was just you know he was just basically building on his talent to get out of the slum, and the minute he got out, he built a life, and he's a big success story in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great guy, just like Ice T, another one. And he's on one of my other favorite shows, SVU. Yeah, which is hilarious. Yeah. Also, Lauren Order. Yeah, Lauren Order. Yeah, yeah. Superman. Which is ironic. I, it is. I know. I love it. It's just so. I. But yeah. I mean, he's his big song with Cop Killer. Yeah, and then he becomes a cop. He plays a cop. He doesn't become a cop, but he plays one. Um, yeah, it's the same thing, though. Finn Tutuola was his name on the show. Sure, sure. Christopher Reeves, a.k.a. Christopher Reeves, a.k.a. Superman. Mm. He got married. My idol. Yeah, he was my idol growing up. Yeah? I loved Christopher Reeves. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm a DC guy, old school mm. DC guy. So okay. it's like the original Supermans, they were, you know, they were my thing. I love Christopher Reeve. Yeah, he seems like a good guy, too. Um, yeah, nothing wrong with him. Remember when Lisa Bonet and Lenny Kravitz were married? Well, they got divorced in April 92. Yeah, well, you know, if you know Lenny, I've met him. If you know Lenny, they were, you know, he liked her because she was young. They were a really pretty couple. They were both, like, very pretty people. Nelson it Mandela got divorced. I don't think yeah. I knew. Additionally, Prince, the British Princess... Anna, or not Anna, mm. Anne. It's just Anne. Yeah. She divorced her first husband in April of 92, sure. Captain Mark Phillips. And they yeah. were married for 19 years and then got divorced. I've um, seen the show. Was so British royals, it like became a thing because it it was unacceptable to be divorced. And then all of a sudden they all, they were like, it's like, I guess it's okay. Yeah, like England, we had a great monarch. We had Beatrix, who was a great queen. Mm -hmm. uh, probably the best monarch we ever had in many ways, respects. Same as with Britain, whereas, you know, Elizabeth, probably one of the best monarchs, sure. queens they ever had. Don't expect her son yeah. to have that kind of clout. Well, it's hard. Don't Those expect, are big shoes. Big shoes. Don't expect their, their, her grandson to be that. It will never happen. 
You'll never have that again. Well, yeah, she reigned for over 50 years, right? So that was, mm-hmm. that was yeah, that's kind of mm-hmm. She was an institution, crazy. just like our yeah. queen. She was an institution. Although Beatrice is still alive. She didn't die in the... In oh. The, she didn't die queen. No, she basically... Get, just got too old and decided? No, no, she was just sick of it. Oh, okay. I didn't know. Okay. Her, her husband, no, her husband had died. And you could tell she was getting on in years and she was having trouble moving around. It's time for my son to step up. Mm-hmm. You know, William Alexander was in his early 40s by the time he ascended the throne, which was the perfect age to be king. So it's just his time. So he, she just, she's pensioned, basically. She said, well, it's his time now. Yeah. Bye. Early 40s, now she's a, pretty young. Right? And now she's a princess again, basically. She's still alive. Okay. And she's out of the limelight. She's just enjoying life. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that sounds great. <laughs> Having yeah. fun with her dozens of horses. I You'd th- like her. She's really a horse person. Yeah. Well, who doesn't like a horse? Right. So the royals were starting to get divorced. A bunch of them got divorced after like. No, it was the age. Yeah. Um, so City of Joy, depending on the source, was either number eight or number 16 at the box mm. office in April. Yeah, but it didn't have big distribution. No, no, it didn't. It was a really small movie and they didn't know how to sell it. Really? It's obvious. They didn't know how to sell it. And it didn't do that well as a result, even though it's a, Great movie. It really is a good movie. Fantastic. Great performances and a good script and a great story. And it's all all practically shot and and kind of feels like a good stage play. It's stage an excellent play. movie. Yeah, I really yeah, love yeah. it. Well, and I left Patrick Swayze in it. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Off his range. It showed off his capabilities. I want to get to a very important question before we really dive into the movie. I know you're, I already know that you're a fan of Patrick. Sure. And I'm curious if you think that Patrick Swayze and Kurt Russell have any similarities in terms of how they look. Well, they're both handsome, all-American guys. They're Hollywood handsomes. That's basically it. But yeah, well, I'm, I'm not a homosexual, so I basically look at them as you know well you can appreciate a nice looking man yeah i I appreciate a handsome guy but it's not like i i really delve into well do they have similar cheekbones do they have the same piercing glare do they have the same roman note no i don't really care i'm just you know happy that they look normal look normal (laughs) okay well i'll take that as a yes that you do think they resemble each other a little bit yeah although in terms of being good looking I've always felt Kurt Russell likes a little, likes beer a little too much. He's always a little, you know, puffy. Mm-hmm. And Patrick Swayze is an athletic, well-built guy. Oh, very. And you can tell he's, yeah, he's got great cardio. So he has that, that, that really, that. He's a dancer. You know, it's not ripped, but toned look with, you know, his skin is stretched and he has a high metabolism and I'm more like him. Mm-hmm. So I've always been more drawn to Patrick Swayze in terms of, Having him as an idol in terms of, okay, how does it, would that hairstyle look for me, work yeah, for me? Okay. Would that attitude work for me? Mm-hmm. Should I wear shirts like him? Stuff like that. And okay. more so than Kurt, even though I like Kurt more as a person and as an actor. I think Kurt's great. And I've never not liked Kurt in the movie. He's impossible. Not, I mean, he's great in everything and he's a great character actor. And he's like that unique blend of being able to be a character actor and a lead in a movie. He's 
To me, he's a handsome Robert De Niro. Because he looks way better than Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro is super handsome. What are you talking about? No, Robert yes. De Niro is oh. gross. Oh my God, Seiko! I wish I could slap you across if the I face. If I look right like now. that, if I look like that guy, I I would want to, you know, crawl back into the womb. And it's famously a no. good-looking man in Hollywood, like everyone in the seventies and maybe in the early eighties. But then after that, ugh. Mm, I Whereas quite Kurt Russell hate... is a handsome dude, athletic, and uh, yeah, no, I, I have. Well, I think they're no, all. I'm... I have more respect for Kurt than than I do for Robert De Niro. Okay, I mean, uh... not and, and in terms of acting, Robert De Niro is clearly one of the greatest actors of all time. Mm-hmm. He's up there. He's done great parts. His accolades are undeniable and earned. But in terms of um, being on Kurt Russell's level, no, none in my eyes. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. And I think Robert De Niro is a smoke show still. As an old man. Oh, I get that. You know, you guys like you're, you're tall, dark, and handsome, even though Robert De Niro is not tall. He's but, not yeah. tall, but he, but so what I would have loved would to have some sort of a movie where Robert De Niro plays mm. the father of brothers Kurt and Patrick. I think that would have been, can somebody, you know, make this happen and it bring back work. Patrick from the dead? Could work though, because they don't, no, it's, no, they're not Italian. It doesn't matter. It didn't work. You want it, you want it to, you know, okay. Well, Robert De Niro's stepdad. not fully Italian He could be their either. stepdad. He could be their stepdad. Let's put it that way. They all have a similar, like, dark, they're all, they're tan, dark hair, really nice mm-hmm. bone structure. I think they could all, they could be relatives. Sure. All right. Well, shall we get into the movie City of Joy? April 17th, 1992, mm-hmm. 6.5 on IMDb. Mm, um, who cares? The director is Roland, um, is it Joffe? Hoffe? Do you know how to pronounce the director? He's British, so make it British. Roland Joffe. Jo- oh. He, he was, Roland okay. Joffe. He's Ro- British. Oh, He's very not nice. French. Very nice. He's known for The Killing Fields and The Mission. Yes. Movies I love. The... And the mission has Robert De Niro saying, I don't hate Robert De Niro as an actor. I don't like him as a person, but I don't hate him as an actor. And he's great in the mission. Okay. This was based on a book. And by... The Killing Fields is brilliant. It's one of the greatest movies ever made. I don't think I've seen that. I'll have to check it you out. You should. Though. Yes. Yeah. Because otherwise you have no idea what, what, Cam- what, the, what, what happened to Cambodia. You have no idea what that was like. And um, that movie does a really good job of showing you the horrors of the Cambodia. Yes, and so he has a, a... And, you know, the horrors of communism and socialism and, and what they do once they're in power. Well, and it's similar to... So he has a kind of a niche because it's sort of a similar in the way that he's showing living in the slums of Calcutta yeah. in yeah. this movie. But it, to me, this is like his... Those three movies are really his best. And it to me, it's a, a trio of movies that really encapsulates his talent. Okay. That makes sense. He's really good at at showing on a very cinematic scale the reality of society. And he's good at storytelling, at, at that kind of storytelling. He he really which is, is very un it's a very un American movie. This yeah. is not a Hollywood movie. Well the ending is is Hollywood. Yeah. Because yes. it has a has a fluffy, happy ending. And it's very unnatural 
after watching a movie where you see the realities of slum life. It doesn't end happy. It ends the way everybody ends in a slum. They outlive their usefulness. They become old. They become infirm. They die. I have some thoughts about the story, the journey, and how it ended. But to set the stage for this movie, in case people haven't seen it, it was based on a book by Dominique Lapierre. Um, Mm -hmm. and then also screenwriter Mark Medoff, known for Children of a Lesser God. So he's, yeah, similar type of kind of movie. Great writer, great movie. The music... Children of a Lesser God is excellent. Yes. Worth watching. Yes. The music, you guys will remember when we talked about Ennio Morricone, or Morricone, Morricone, I don't know how to pronounce it. He's Italian. Ennio Morricone. Morricone. And the music was really good. He, I know, I love it, I love it. He also composed the music for The Thing, which we talked about in where he... The greatest horror movie of all time. But I he, love that movie. Did you know that that music was got a Razzie nom? Yeah, but who cares about the Razzie? I know. I'm just saying it's crazy because he's he's a very super well-known and well-received in terms yeah, of... Yeah, they do that on purpose. They, they tend to like nominate people who are lauded. And then when they do something that's not as good as their greatest stuff... Yeah. Then all of a sudden they get a rally. Really. I liked it. I liked the music, and th- but whatever. Okay. So the cast. Yeah, because it's good. It's fine. Yeah. I, it's great. It, it, for what it, yeah. And I, ironically, most of John Carpenter's movies, John Carpenter scores the movie. Yeah. 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 That's true. And in the thing, because it's a studio movie, mm-hmm. they get Ennio Morricone. And it's great because Ennio Morricone is a great, does great scores. Of course, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the greatest scores are all in, in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. But. It's yeah. still good. Agreed. I mean, he scored Tarantino movies because Tarantino wanted Ennio Morricone soundtrack. Makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah, he's known a lot of. There's, I feel, the average moviegoer only knows a few like composers, and Ennio Morricone is probably one of them. Now, Definitely. the cast isn't super well known, which is kind of a first for the show, but you'll you'll recognize some of them. So obviously, Patrick Swayze, he plays Max. He's the doctor that kind of comes to. He loses a patient, and then he comes to Calcutta to find enlightenment. Uh, yeah. And then the nurse. Well, not really. Not really. Basically, the story he is. He, yeah, sure. No, well, when he, he's a traumatized doctor. He, he basically he kills a, a kid, dies under the knife on the operating table. He blames himself. And so he runs away. And he runs away to India, like people do. And he's in India, and because he's a doctor, you know, Doctors are going to doctor. That's basically what happens. Mm-hmm. He's in a slum and, and you know, people are in a terrible state and they have nothing. And the doctors and the people who work in healthcare there and who work in the charities, they have nothing. So, of course, you're going to help. It's inevitable. The I mean, nurse has you're... to convince him, you know, as is typical movie movie fashion. He says no, he says no, he says no. And then finally he says yeah, yes. But yeah, but then it's it said no because he's lost confidence mm-hmm. in himself. Because he's a doctor and he let people die and that's not his job. His job is to save people. He has a, a trial of, of self-confidence, really. Mm-hmm. He has to find himself in that sense. And that's basically the story of the movie that he sort of uh, redefines himself as a caretaker, as a healthcare professional. So the nurse that he teams up with in this, in the movie, her name is Joan, but the actress who plays her, and so it's, she's British, uh, Pauline Collins. Sure. So the, those of you non-Americans might know her. She played a maid in a, the British drama series Upstairs, Downstairs. 
And she also, her performance in Shirley Valentine from 1989, she received a BAFTA and and an Oscar nom for that particular role. So she's a legitimate actress in that way. Good character actress. Yeah. And then there's an Indian guy who moves from like a farming village with his family to Calcutta. His name in the movie is Hazari. Hazari. But his, the actor's name is Om Puri. Sure. And, and he's been in everything. He's, the, he's like that, that, that kind that of guy. iconic yeah. Indian actor. His he's been wife. in everything. In India as well. He's, yeah. he's really big in Bollywood. He's yes. great. I love Bollywood. I've had Pakistani girlfriends and they introduced me to it and I've seen so much of it. I, just I actually am not familiar. Okay. So sure. if, you, if you like, if you want to get your, get your start in Bollywood, start with movies with Ashwarya Rai. Ashwari? Ashwari Arai. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to write that down. She's, she basically crossed over oh, into American movies. Yes. And she's beautiful. She's so insanely beautiful. Well, the woman who plays Hasari's wife in this mm-hmm. movie is also very beautiful. Her name is mm. the her name is Kamla in, yeah. in the movie. And the actress who plays her is Shabana Azmi. Shabana Azmi. Yeah. And then they have two boys and a daughter. And the daughter's name is Amirta in the movie. And the actress who plays her is Aisha Sharker. Sure. Then the good. bad guy, uh, Ashok. He's, yeah. so there's like a. Such good actors. They were he, so good. He. You really hated them. Oh, well, he plays the son of like mm-hmm. the godfather type guy of the slum. And right. he's a shitbag. Like we hate him. Yeah. He's terrible. Scum. But Scummy, scum. The actor who plays him is Art Malik, and yeah. he is also in a bunch of movies. I, you guys might recognize him from True Lies. He was Aziz in True Lies. Yeah. And as we've kind of already talked about, but the description, in case you haven't seen it, or a while, an American doctor, a British nurse, mm-hmm. and an illiterate Indian farmer joined together to transform a Calcutta ghetto nicknamed the City of Joy. So that's where the name comes yeah. from. Yeah. And it, so it's kind of cliche, really, yeah. except because of the great performances and because of the twists and turns in the story, it's enjoyable, even though it's, it feels like a classic Disney movie from the early 80s. Well, I, I don't know if I thought it was too Hollywood because they really showed just like... It's grittier. The, yeah, the awful very nature. And, you're, cause, and even you, you sort of evolve mm-hmm. through the movie with Patrick because he's like, I hate it. I want to get out of here. I hate, why did I come here? And he's trying to, Mm. he wants to leave. But then by the end, Mm. obviously he has fallen in love with his, he's the whole point of it is. That's part of his problem. Getting too close to his patients. He doesn't want, he wants distance because he doesn't want to care too much because it just almost destroyed him losing a patient. So he doesn't want that to happen to him ever again. He can't handle it. So he just, he wants that distance and that's impossible. When you're in a slum, because you're close to everybody, up close and personal and skin tight. Very. Because there's no space, there's no air, there's nothing in a slum except other people. And it, 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 it that's one of the problems. Why that's one problem I have with the movie. It doesn't look like a real slum. Well, I, I have not been. I've not traveled mm. to India, but I gotta I have, say, yeah. this is not a glowing recommendation to go either. Because let me tell you what. It's realistic, though. 
It's it really is. realistic. It looks like India, and it because it was filmed in India. Yeah. It looks like India. I, I could almost smell it, and I could mm. almost feel it. I could almost feel like the pressing heat and the smell of, of feces and and gasoline and dirt and and eons of filth. You could almost sense it. That's what India is. Yeah, and we're shown that. I thought it was really mm. nice how so. It looks relatively clean to the real thing. Asari, he's a farmer. So he and his family moved to Calcutta with nothing, no job lined up, no money, like nothing. They have no place to stay. And for some reason, you know, they, they move. And there were shown through he and his family's eyes, the massive culture shock. They show up in Calcutta, yeah. this huge city. That's, and that's what it feels like to, to come to India. It's what it feels like. Oh, it's scary. You get, you get off the plane in Delhi, and that's 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 what it is. It's just a mass, a mass of people, and just no matter how much busy. money you have, there's no hiding from it. There's no getting away from it. There's no running from it. It's just there. In fact, it's hard to run in India. It's hard to do anything in there's India. It's so hard much. to get from yeah. one place to the next in India. It's what it is, and that movie really encapsulates what it's like. And the irony, of course, is I seen the movie and then i went to india and i remember thinking it's like i i should have taken that movie more seriously because you know i didn't learn enough because you still get sick and you still get you know hoodwinked by people and india's gonna india india's gonna india well yeah i mean and because we're shown it through their eyes i really liked how they did that but lepers mm -hmm. they've not seen lepers before there's a big leper community apparently yeah um, yeah they really been hurt that that they yeah they really showed it and the reaction people have to yeah. lepers yeah i thought that was that that's realistic that's how people in india would feel and how they would react like the ignorance that it like uh, sure yeah catch it the con men and the crooks again i just i am not a fan of humans but i just i'm like uh, can we go Welcome anywhere to india. yeah i just hate that's, it that's india I mean, I've been, the best story I can tell about how to illustrate this is we were done in New Delhi and we were going off to Agra, which is another big city. And Agra has the Taj Mahal. Oh, and so we thought, okay. and so we thought, you know what? We'll take the bus, but we'll take a night bus. Fine. So we picked the bus, nice pictures on the walls, air conditioned bus, looks brand new. And in the back of the mind, you go, well, it's probably not brand new and the air conditioning probably won't work. I don't even want air conditioning, but it'll get us there and it'll get us there in some semblance of safety. And so, of course, you show up at the anointed time at the office and then they're going to take you to the bus. And so you're handed off to someone else. And this guy takes you through the slums mm. and he doesn't just take you to the slums. He takes you through the maze. And so... By the end, it's, you know, you, you blindfold you and turn you around three times and then three times the other way. Uh -huh. That's how it felt. Uh -huh. And so you get to some street and then you're just handed off to someone else and you have to wait. And we're like waiting and they don't tell you anything. And it's okay. So dude, where's the bus? And so, yeah, you wait here, sir. Okay, fine. So you wait for another few minutes. And then finally, a tuk-tuk shows up. This is at the point where there are no, you still see rickshaw haulers in the, in the city of Joy. They're outlawed now in India. So oh, everything is took, okay. everything is moped drawn. Basically. Okay. You have the same rickshaw type thing, but it has a motorized motor. Okay. And they basically take you everywhere. So 
we get into one of those things and they drive us across town and we get to the next place and then we're handed off again. And then we're taken through other streets. And finally we get to the bus and they point us, there's your bus. And that's not that pretty air conditioned bus. That's just the city bus going to the next town. They basically, what they did was they sold us. They sold us and sold us and sold us to the next guy, to the next guy. Everybody in that chain made money, mm-hmm. our money, mm-hmm. right? So we paid for that nice air-conditioned bus, and what we got was the worst bus you could be on, which is basically a bus fit for 80 people. 500 people get in on the side and on top of it. And it takes not four hours. It takes 12 to 16 uh. hours. It stops at every place because the driver has to make money. So he makes money on the side. So he just takes people on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We didn't buy a ticket from the bus stop. They right. bought, buy a ticket from him because he's the bus driver. So that's how he makes his money because he, you know, that's how he feeds his family. And that's how he pays the mafia so he could have that job. Yeah. Yeah. It, Welcome so to in, India. In City of Joy, yeah, we're, we're shown. And it, it kind of reminds me of the early 1900s when your neighborhood, you had to pay protection to the mob boss there, you know, for your, sure. you know, each business owner. So it's the same type of deal here in, in Calcutta. Hey. And we see that too, the pe- just like the masses of people like on yep. the top of a train, on the sides of a train, like just. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, so we're. And we're this is in that. every third world country, the norm, really. It's just too many people. <laughs> and, yeah. And because Max, people, because here's the thing, children are your, basically your only way out of destitution. You're, the more kids you have, the more you can put them to work, the more you have, you know, economy of scale. They they bring in money. But they're by... also a mouth to feed. And so that's what Max says when, so there's like a leper couple is having a baby and Max is sort of like, what are you, what are you doing? It's just, you yeah. can't feed yourself. What are you doing? Having another, mm-hmm. like having a kid. It's another. Yeah, but isn't that feed. typical of poor people? Yeah. I mean. Yeah, but he, so he's, this is earlier on in his experience and he's, mm-hmm. he's very kind. He's a nice, he's a nice person. Yes, but he has Western sensibility. Yeah. And he looks at it as, well, you need to have one or a few children that you can actually feed and that you can help educate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. the Western way of thinking. Mm-hmm. I think that way. Yeah, it's very interesting. They're lucky if that kid lasts until the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. It's a means of production. That kid has to earn itself those kids of course they love their children obviously but they're part of that love if they become part of their family and they're part of their workforce without them they won't survive yeah i mean but they can't even get jobs like the it does show us the how separated the the leper community is from Mm -hmm. the rest of of india well obviously they're diseased i mean they have to be separated well, it starts riots because it's not contagious. But no, the, but that's not not what people think. I know that, and they point that out in the movie that these villagers in the slums don't want the lepers to be treated at their clinic that this that Joan runs because they don't know life is hard enough as it is without these people. But they're ignorant to the fact they think they're going to catch it, and they kind of yeah, say that. Realize these people are on at the point of survival these people are trying to survive mm-hmm. this is a place where if you make one wrong step you're dead yeah and for sure. when when you're dead 
who's going to take care of your family? No one. They're just going to be exploited or worse. So these emotions that these people have are very real and are very realistic. And, you know, it's like you're on fight or flight and it's these people form a threat to me. I don't want this. Life is hard enough as it is. Let's not have this. And then you have these Westerners who enforce this. It's, no, no, yeah, you have to have this kind of charity and you have to, what do you mean charity? I didn't even know where my next meal is going to come from. That's and how they think because they're in, in, in survival mode. I understand that perfectly. Well, to that point, so Patrick's character, Max, tries to convince. So it's really quite lovely. I, I, what I, hey. it's hard to walk. It's, it's extremely harsh. And I'm like, why? Oh, just what a, yes. what a hard life. Like why? Poverty is horrible. It, and, but what's quite lovely is they happenstance kind of become friends, Hasari mm-hmm. and, and Max and, even Hasari, it's, it's super hard. He's Indian, but he's not from the city. And he comes and he's like, uh-huh. oh, what am I, what did I do? But he, then yeah. he finds friends. They're both fish out of water. Yes, they are. And they both end up, they become friends with each other. But they also find a community of people in this city of joy neighborhood that they yeah. they, they, bond, they have true friendships. And, so and that's why you find the true Indian spirit. Yeah. Because here's the thing. This is a culture that has dealt with the most obscene forms of poverty for thousands of years, not just hundreds, not just decades, thousands of years. It's their way of life. So poverty is something you're born into and can't ever find your way out of because that's your lot in life. That's how society deems you. It's like, you're this, you're an an invisible. Mm -hmm. That's your caste. That's Mm -hmm. where you are. That's all we have for you because India is what it is, and we have a system, and it works. It's worked for thousands of years, and we're not going to change it for you just because you're sad. Mm-hmm. And so these people realize, this is my lot in life. If you don't accept that, you can't be productive. Accepting it is the only way to survive within poverty. You will never escape, but you will have dignity. It, and that's India. What you is see he- people with a tremendous amount of dignity and serenity and you could say inner beauty because they can mm-hmm. deal with the worst form of human destitution with a poi and with a wisdom. Whereas, and that's interesting because when you have poverty in the West, which is in many ways worse, if you have poverty in the West, those people have known better. And when you have known better, poverty hits you Mm-mm. mentally. A di- and that's what yeah. you see on the streets yeah. of San Francisco and on all other American streets. I mean, and that's interesting, isn't it? And when you have like this India that has functioned like this for thousands of years and, you know, puts robots on the moon, for example. Yeah. And then you have the United States who had people walking on the moon mm-hmm. and who could fix poverty overnight. And it's the same way in India. It's just one has a taste of it and one doesn't. There's such a mass inequality between the yeah, people at the top and the people every, in India. That's the same thing, but mentally they're better equipped to live that life. But it's sort of sad though. I'm curious to get your take because they accept it. The scene where, um, yeah, you have the American chicken. doctor saying, oh, you should rise up and you should do this and you should do that. And it, but the system will never let you rise up in a way that will ultimately make you prosper. Maybe but so maybe your environment, maybe hopeless. your slum. And that's what you see happening is that as a group, they, they 
kind of get lifted up a little bit. And that's what I liked about the movie. They, they like you, create happiness you, within themselves. They're interwoven. Everybody's interwoven. And, and what happens to one person happens to everyone. That's what but you Patrick's see. You point see was you're, the scene where they show a chicken, like the overlords, they're like, we have a weight around your neck. And so mm. we want you to just feel hopeless. And that's, yeah. you know, Patrick's like, you, you don't have well, to just be hopeless. You can rise up. Yes. And There's that's a price to pay for because, that. Yes. People lose their lives. Yeah. I mean, but that's yeah. any revolution. I mean, that's, that's. But this is saying. India, right? India rose up against the British empire without resorting to violence. We're talking India here. Yeah. Where a man called Gandhi said to, his, said to everybody, look. <laughs> we're going to be Indians and we're going to have our own country and the British are just going to leave. We will make them listen. And they did. And really, that's the spirit of India. That's what they are. That's their natural identity. And that's what you see in this movie as well. Mm -hmm. I love this movie for that. <laughs> well, it has the true spirit of India. They got that right. And so by the end, it is nice that they find their little tiny corner of happiness with the community that they've built. Yeah. Their own small yeah. little They have their own little India, their own little city yeah. of joy. Their city of joy. And Patrick, sorry, I keep saying Patrick. It's as good as it gets. Max decides that he's going to stay. I mean, we, we saw that coming a mile away, but still, he decides yeah. he's going to stay. Of course um, he is. Because he does he's probably going to marry the He's probably going to marry the pretty prostitute. Well, they, they joke that they'll find him a, an Indian bride. Speaking of which, now, again, I know I'm Western, and this is just like, wild to me and you wouldn't mm. have to be so destitute if all the money that you make didn't need to be saved to pay someone to marry your daughter the dowry situation it drives but me of course insane. you do but of course you do because that's her future basically that's that you're, the daughter the child has to make the family money they negotiate for of her course of course they do but if if everybody instead of trying to won't work there Feminism doesn't work. You're selling your children. Yeah. And if you just used the money that you say, like you, you could rise your whole family up instead of just your, paying for a, a better, so to speak, family to marry your daughter. Like yes, they but could basic, pay a high, listen, better what, rent. What you're doing is you're not paying for her. You're paying for her children. You're creating a situation where she is socially uplifted she is accepted in an in the next stratagem of society because of that dowry her children supersede her yes i know but do you see what i'm saying that they're paying for yes. this one person to have a better life but you're not appreciating he, if you're he, not appreciating the sacrifice this family brings to have that next generation lift out of the situation they are in that's a momentous thing and that's you i'm sure you look at this with feminism sensibilities oh she should be that yeah no 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 this entire family is paying to for the happiness not just of that girl they're paying for the next generation of their grandchildren it's i see what you're thing. saying i'm just i vastly clearly and i i recognize that this is a western mentality but they're it's mm -hmm. you're negotiating you're buying her and if yeah. that money weren't used to sell your daughter because that's exactly what when happening. you're on subsistence level that's the only worth women have that. Change can happen. 
Yes, the de- but they wouldn't be destitute if instead of saving all the money for a dowry, they save yeah. money to buy a be- to rent a better place to buy more food. Because- yeah, but that then, then it's gone, and it doesn't give you societal benefits. It doesn't give your daughter societal benefits. It well, just gives you a nicer place to live. That's a very yeah. American way of thinking. Yeah. I have a nicer place to live. I have more food to eat. Life. A home and food is more important than living on the streets. But and- your neighbors, listen, your neighbors won't accept you because you're scum from a slum. They won't accept you. This is India. Yeah. They just won't. They just won't. You see how they reacted to lepers? They, would, they wouldn't be as dramatic, but they would still shun you because you are an invisible, because you're from a different caste. You d- cannot understand the way of life, they cannot understand, people from that slum cannot understand the way of life you live. So they cannot function in your strategy, in your part of society. And that's what they're shunning. I'm just saying, like, if if everybody just accepts that this is the way that it is, then nothing ever changes, is is what I'm saying. And that's India, nothing ever really changes. For a country to evolve Mm -hmm. and have a better life for more people, not just a few Mm -hmm. at the top, change Mm -hmm is required and so that's sort of what max is trying to convince yeah so that's of. not getting a new place with that and with better rent and i mean it doesn't happen argue, overnight it is a, it'll take a few generations yes and that's why you pay a dowry that's that's just it works that works it works look into this it worked it For works people, in those situations well, then why are there still millions in poverty if it works you know what i mean because you know like you said, there are too many people. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. And it's it a vicious circle. Not... It's a vicious circle. I, that's exactly my point. And there's no way to break that vicious circle. Well, there it's just is. part of humanity. It takes the root of the problem of any society where there is massive income inequality is you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a problem. And that won't change in any society unless those in power recognize that inequality and, and fix and the real do, problems do and not enrich themselves exactly yeah so the greed is the problem well greed is is typical lack of accountability is the problem and america Holding has always them to been account. this yeah. country of checks and balances and that's become skewed we aren't holding the greedy accountable, yes. And I'm not saying this to deride them. I'm saying yeah. this because I admire it. I've traveled through India twice. I've had a brutal time doing it, <laughs> but I do appreciate how these people survive and thrive because they do put machines on the moon. Those are a few things that I noted when I was watching this that are that just, again, it is supposed to be a culture shock for us watching mm-hmm. it, right? But Definitely. One of those they is... They had a point to make. The rickshaw drivers, pullers, Hasari is barefoot. Sure. They aren't all. Where, they aren't all. Where's this, gonna, where's this guy going to get shoes? Shoes cost money. We are shown in the village they live in. Some of them do have sandals. Not yes, all of them. Yes, but he's from the countryside. They don't have shoes there. I know, but it, it was just like, oh my God. I just, I'm like, it hurt my feet watching it. Yeah, but he's been on his feet for his entire life. But he could easily he's, step he's a on a nail or, you know what I mean? Yeah, so like Their feet can do that. I mean, these are coolies. This is the country that invented walking on hot coals mm-hmm. as a mental pest. Yeah. They invented that. That's their thing. It's admirable. It's amazing. It shows the strength of the human spirits basically superseding the body, doing well, things that yes, are just that's incredible. Different, the coal walk. I, I totally and understand that. And that guy 
pulling the rickshaw. He's a super athlete, in my opinion. I respect the fuck out of that guy. I he think does he it would wear every day. He, that guy works like a horse. The best scenes in the movie where they basically he, he gets his job as a rickshaw puller and he says, okay, neigh like a horse. And he goes, look, what do you mean? He's probably never seen a horse. He's from the countryside. They don't have many animals there. You'd think they'd have, but they not in India. They have cows. There's no horse culture in India. The, the British introduced it, basically. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's all, it neigh like a horse. What do you mean? And yeah, basically you're a draft animal now. Well, that part that's was what really a it. bummer. I know. And that's, I again, I'm yeah, like, Yeah, but that's... he's from the countryside. He was probably pulling ox, an ox no, car. He probably, that you know, was That was, was meant was... to disrespect him and show him his place. Sure. But he's, it's probably what he's known all his life. It's, he's, he's trained as a draft animal, as a farmer. No, but, but you animals. understand to being a hardworking person. That it's yeah. still extremely disrespectful yes, to compare you have him these, to a draft. Here animal. you have these criminals. Basically, they're portrayed as criminals. They're really the guys who run the slum for their overlords because these guys are just mailmen. They're just they have to pay someone else as well. They're just right. their lives are just as crappy as anyone else's. Just a little less crappy because they can exploit other people. And so here's this guy who's well, you know, at least I'm wearing a clean shirt, and at least I have a bike. Mm-hmm. That's all he's achieved in life, and that's all he will ever achieve in life. So that's his role, and he takes to it. And hey, man, it's, you're my horse now. You have to neigh like a horse. Do it. Yeah, and I'm motivating you. Well, I don't know yeah. how motivating it is. He he's yeah, motivated no, it's not, by being starving. Yeah, he, but, he, I mean, it's a it's a terrible situation, and here's a guy who's making it worse. Right, right. But so yeah, I Part noticed the the bare feet running around the city among cars, like among cars, you know. Sure. So sure. and then also Max. There were two things that, again, just like showing, you know, he's from Houston. He comes mm. to Calcutta and he asks yep. for a hamburger. And they're like, right. what? I mean, they, they don't even know what it is. Well, they don't eat beef in India. No. For the most no. part. Sacrilegious. No, they don't. And yeah. you can get, you basically, you can get curry and you can get something with beef taste, but they basically make a sauce from animal parts mm-hmm. you don't really get beef and the point of it was that he's from houston he doesn't know mm. he goes to india no, he's an american asks, what does he know he he's asks for a hamburger in a country where they don't eat hamburger additionally yep. when he checks into the hotel she asks him how long he's going to be staying and he answers her in spanish which i thought was hilarious because a he's from houston so he probably like and um i have a similar knee-jerk reaction when I'm anywhere because the only foreign language that I know even a tiny bit is Spanish. Even though it's not really a foreign language, it's the second language in the United States. Found it humorous that he does it, but partially because he's from Texas. There's lots of Spanish speakers in Texas. Sure. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But additionally, that I kind of chuckled because I have this weird thing in my brain because I don't speak a lot of languages. The only one I know other than English, even a little bit, is Spanish. So when I go to any foreign country, Yeah, my... but you don't have a need to speak foreign languages because you speak English. But do you know what I mean? You don't know what I mean because you do speak multiple languages, but my knee-jerk yeah. reaction to not English is Spanish, regardless mm-hmm. of... They don't speak Spanish in India. Why is he speaking Spanish? You know what I mean? Sure, I sure. I kind of get that it yeah. doesn't work but yeah. no 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 it, it's I, I just i took note of it because it's funny those those couple things yeah but no it's, it's if you speak spanish well you try it in italy 
It's close and they just enough. look at you like you're crazy. <laughs> well, the thing actually knowing a little bit of Spanish did help me in Italy. Cause yeah, because Latin it's a Latin based. language yeah, and yeah. there's there is there are similarities, but mm -hmm. they still look at you like you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they look at me like I'm crazy anyway, because I'm American and and I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, you're a pretty American woman. They love you. The cinema, I wanted to ask you if you took note of the marquee on the movie theater that they go mm -hmm. to. So mm -hmm. the kids are obsessed with the cinema. They The, the little boys want to go. And so Patrick's character takes them to the movies. Mm -hmm. And there, there was a funny bit. I thought you might find it interesting. Yeah. A, on the marquee, it was Masters of the Universe was the movie playing. Right, right. 1987, Dolph Lundgren. But... So I was like, okay, so then they reference that Anil Kapoor is better than Rambo. So sure. he's a famous Indian actor. But so I was like, I looked and I didn't see it. I'm like, is there a version of Masters of the Universe that he's in? Or was there Probably. Or was there Bollywood another... has a habit of just basically remaking Western movies yeah. into Bollywood versions with lots of singing and stuff. I wondered if either that was the case or there was another movie playing at the theater that we just didn't see masters of the universe but i thought it was funny that they referenced rambo that sure, Anil is he's better than rambo yeah but then again this is you know early 90s and rambo was the biggest thing so it makes perfect sense what was your favorite part of the movie i like to really like the scene where they confront the farmer with you know, now you have to neigh like a horse you're a draft animal that's i oh, really, really thought that was very i thought it was very poignant okay and um I think the part where there's a, the guy with no legs shows up mm. and he's saying, well, my wife is in labor and we need help. And they're all pretending that they don't know what to do because they want the doctor to help. Mm. So there's like this kind of, you see kind of social conspiracy happening. They all know like the, the, the there's one guy in the room who can, you know, but he just needs a little, he needs a little push. Yeah, yeah. So you have this kind of, this is the point where they all know what role he's supposed to play in their society. But he has, he doesn't accept it yet. He doesn't get it. And so they sort of nudge him in a big way. And yeah. that's, I think that's my favorite scene because okay. it's where Patrick Swayze has to like, you know, he has to come around. That and, is the first and time. He has to yeah. see his role. He has to, and it, you know, it, the doctor in him has to be pulled, pulled into that situation. And I, I really like that scene because I think that's pivotal. Yeah, I agree that it was kind of the turning point of the movie. The turning sure. point. And, you know, it, they could have ham-fisted that, but they didn't. Mm -hmm. And uh, to, to an extent, that's because Patrick played it away from the camera. It, it, it's not close up. He's withdrawn. He's like trying to withdraw mm -hmm. from the whole situation. No, it's not. This is not. No, no, I'm not in this situation. I'm not really in this slum. I'm not really in this situation. I'm withdrawn. And he's pulled in. And that's the. Kind of, that's why I'm saying it's pivotal, pivotal, because after that, he, he finds a place for himself. And that's why he can't leave at the end. Yeah. Because he leaves a hole okay. and that's re realistic. It's if he left, there'd be no one to replace him. He's, he's indispensable. And that's mm -hmm. part where when he's in Houston, he's not, he killed kids on the, on the operating table. But in India, he's really important right the fuck now. And so that's really rewarding as a human being to yeah. be that necessary to your community to be um, that valuable to your environment. And yeah. it's not about money and it's not about your station in life and it's not about anything else but being able 
to serve the people around you. And that's, that's what I liked about that. And that's why that's my favorite part. I like it. There was a, this was actually pretty serious. Like they did not want them to film. Like the, there was a lot of antagonism apparently um, um, Mm. amongst both politicians and inhabitants of Calcutta. Yeah. And they they don't want to be disgraced. Yeah. they, They, they want to show their success. They want to show the beauty they're capable of, mm-hmm. not the ugliness that's reality. Right. That's what Bollywood is as well. Yeah. It's yeah, the yeah. singing. It's the dancing. It's the Glamour. joy. It's, it's, yeah, a little bit. And it's the social connection. That's what they want to show. They don't want to bring the reality ugly. into it because yeah. we know reality every day. I don't want Westerners to confront me with my own reality. You feel disgraced. And these are our shame-based cultures. Mm-hmm. where society held together by shame. It's like you must never shame anyone. You must not shame yourself. You must not shame your family. You must not shame your direct environment. You must not shame your, etc. cetera. Right. And people will go through great lengths not to be shamed. It's a very Asian thing. Good I mean, point. in Korea, they jump out the window when they're shamed. When, when you confront them too hard and say, you really did a really bad job here. Like we would do in the West. We'd just call you on your bullshit. It's like, you, did a, you, you, you suck. You did a bad job. Improve. And they would just, their shame would be so great, they would kill themselves. They would just throw themselves out the window. Because, you know, they could never live it down. They could never go home and say, my boss yelled at me and I'm a failure. They could, I got fired. No, they would kill themselves. Because mm. that's the only way to redeem themselves in the eyes of their, that, well, okay, he was a dickhead, but, you know, at least he's not a burden to us. The, Shame-based society. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. So apparently- We don't have it. We don't, we're not ashamed. We're individuals. <laughs> We're not ashamed of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I fucked up. And you own it and, and you improve. That's the Western way. It is. So you reinvent yourself. Roland. No. How do you how did you say it, British? Roland Joffe? How did you say it? The director. Roland Joffe. Yes. Roland Joffe. <laughs> Thank you. He, he approached so India's leading director, because of all this antagonism, Roland approached mm-hmm. India's leading director Sajit mm. Ray to condone the production and he reached out four times and he was refused each time. Yeah. So he, yeah. you know, he's, can you help me? No. They were oh. like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. And you shitty foreigner making a movie about our country. We should be moving, ma- making movies about our country, our country and we'll do it the yeah. way we like it. Not the way you think you want it. You yes. weird artist, you. What yes. do you know about us? Oh, you've traveled here. Well, good for you. That's how they, yeah, I get, I get that. Yeah. Well, yeah. two of the assistant directors were actually accused of murder Ooh. of a local journalist. So this, there's a lot of police corruption, uh, sadly. So murder of a local journalist. They didn't, but they were blamed for okay. it. Who had? That we um, know. Yeah. yeah. Well, innocent until proven guilty. Well, so it says that in the the papers were portraying them as murderers. But the yeah. person who died actually, let's see, he actually died of lung cancer. Yeah, and they guy, were being, well, he had to smoke a lot to kill him then. They were being shaken down. Of course they were. Uh, yeah. So I just found it. I was like, ooh, there's. When you're a- in India and you're a Westerner, they basically see you as a walking wallet. They mm-hmm. would just want to turn you upside down and, and, and just shake all the change out of your pocket. Usually there's some fun trivia when we cover these. There's no fun trivia. I have no fun trivia for you, Seiko, unfortunately. No just some, fun trivia. Just the oh, depressing, that depressing trivia. But. Really? Um, I will say, so while City of Joy did offer a lovely view into finding meaning and true friendship, 
Mm-hmm. We must now return to present day reality until next time. Zico, thank you so much for joining me. Do you have? It was a joy as ever. Do you have any final thoughts on City of Joy? And also, please be sure to let us know where we can all find you. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So my starting thoughts on City of Joy, I picked it because I'm a big Patrick Swayze buff. I love his movies. And this is kind of a hidden gem because he does some good stuff in it. We don't have Patrick anymore. We could have had so much more, but Mm -hmm. he's not around. So when you find a hidden gem like this, it's to be savored and to be enjoyed for what it is. And so you can say, well, it's a cliche story. It is. And his portrayal of it is cliche, but the movie isn't. And it's worth watching just because of that. It gives a perspective on India and on poverty in general and on the strength of the human spirit in those situations that is immensely inspiring. So that's one of the reasons I think anybody should watch this movie and why it should have had more success. Mm-hmm. Not just box office, but it should have been more critically acclaimed. But it was, you know, I think badly managed, badly distributed, and I don't know, surrounded by mired in controversy, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Who knows what happens with these movies? But it's still here to be enjoyed. So please enjoy it. As for me, well, you know, I will be going on my merry podcast way with Mel Gibson very soon, but I'm going to Africa first. So I'm going to be a month in Madagascar. I'm so jealous. I'm going to have some interesting times there and some more adventures. And after that, hope to record some Mel stuff for you guys. This is going to be an interesting year because I picked bad guy Mel as a theme for the season. Oh, And so I'm just going to basically focus on his bad guy role. So like the recent... Continental, where he plays a John Gotti type of guy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be doing a bunch of those. And I think I'm going to do it solo this season. Oh? Yeah. And we're also, I'm going to experiment with maybe releasing it on YouTube with a live feed and some footage. And so see what happens. Well, we'll be looking out for that. Yeah. Um, yes. And I'll have to get together with Doug at some point and finish the second season of Arnold, we have two in the can, but we still have two to go. And I used to be self-employed, but I have a, a job at a corporation now. They own me. The overlords, so to speak. The, the, <laughs> yes. Well, you know, it's it's the times are changing and you have to adapt. And uh, mm-hmm. otherwise, you know, they will just, everything, society will just roll over you. And I'm adapting. So, And the time difference is, is sometimes, you know, so you're... Yeah, yeah, the time terrible. difference doesn't help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. It's terrible. And I was building a show with a friend of mine, Hershini. She got another acting gig and she's been really busy and we really haven't agreed on on how we're going to release it and how okay. we're going to market it. And so I'm just going to leave that where it is right now until, you know, we get our act together. I think we have a lot to look forward to from you then. Definitely. Zico. Yes. So we Definitely. will be looking forward to that. And yeah, I'll have your, your links linked in the show notes. And so cool. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. And thank you all for listening but don't forget to review the show follow retromade on facebook if you haven't already and also the youtube channel please follow it check us out and until next time be kind rewind